Yo, 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 lovers! Welcome to the fourth episode of Vocal About It. This time is going to be juicy. We're talking about getting physical, emotional and connected. This is going to be a real talk about flirting, dating and having sex as brown and black women. We are going to talk about how casual racism creeps into our beds, our relationships and our interactions with potential lovers. How certain white people fetishize us and how complicated it can be and what is important to build a foundation of a relationship when you're a woman of color. All right. Um, so before we start, I just want to make sure of a few things. Number one, if you're still hiding to watch porn, shut this podcast down. Don't listen to this. You are way too young. Number two, if you are a biological brother or sister of mine, do shut this podcast down. <laughs> <laughs> Same if you were my last name. Y'all know who you are. Number three, if you have a lover of color or if you're crushing on someone who's not white, make yourself some tea and sit down. You need to listen to all this. Okay, now we can start. Alright. <laughs> so we'd like to first discuss the start of our sex life, which, funny enough, or actually not funny at all, start without even us knowing what sex is about, because we happen to be sexualized from a very, very young age. Yes, totally. I think way before we discovered our own sexuality, we were being made sexual by other people. And uh, I think this is a very interesting thing, because... Way before I realized that I was obviously beginning to be a sexual being, people started to sexualize me. So there was a transition period somewhere between being a regular kid and being a teenager when mm. this started. But I think I was very young when I was uh, getting those gazes that I didn't really understand at first because it was like, okay, that is quite different to what I was usually getting if it was on the streets or in public transports. All of a sudden, men stared at me. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what that was. It was kind of, yeah, I think the kind of attention that people tell you that you want to have, but still I was feeling very self-conscious about it and insecure and didn't know what to make of it. I think later society tells you that you should embrace this and take it as a compliment mm -hmm. when people stare at you. But I think for us as women of color, this is different. It's not just that people are attracted to you, but it's that um, they fetishize you. The thing is that you as woman or not even woman, teenager of color, being made a super sexual being that you are actually not. It's an idea, it's an image that comes from colonial history. Yes. That was purely created in order to do cruel, terrible things to creatures that weren't seen as human. Because if they were human, you couldn't do that to them. Exactly. So you made them something that was beneath that. For women, that meant they had to be something super sexual. They had to be beings who wanted that, who asked for that then there wasn't a crime at all, was there? And I think this is the heritage of this colonial history that all of a sudden we are, when we're coming at age, seen as hypersexualized beings. I don't take it as a compliment when a dude on the street, a bare stranger, comes to, towards me, approaches me, crosses my boundaries, comes way too close, touches me without consent. Because who can you touch without consent? Not human beings, but animals. Exactly. I think for me, it started very early that that I could at some point make a difference between somebody who is actually genuinely interested in me and attracted to me 
and somebody who is going for this idea. Right. Because this person isn't interested in your personality or who you actually are. They are interested in um, exerting power over you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually insane how much the colonial aspect of it is so strong, even to this day. Because the example as well as for black people is that there's quite a lot of studies out there that, that are proving the point that little black girls are seen as much older than they actually are from a very young age. And that results into them being hypersexualized as early as sometimes eight or 10 years old. For little black boys, they're seen as much older and dangerous than they are. And that results in the States, for example, in them being shot by some policemen. And then you ask the policeman and they're like, well, I thought he was like 14 years old. Well, no, he was actually eight and you killed him. So that's really some gays that are still happening very, very much. And I think it really hurts us in many ways. I think when you're women of color, you just brace yourself. You know, you're just armed in a way of going through and navigating through all this. But the weird thing is that nobody really tells you. Mm-hmm. Nobody tells you, hey, I know you're very young. You don't know anything about sex yet, but please know and brace yourself because some men are going to feel like they have access to you now already. You know, they, they're going to think that like, yep, she's black. Uh, she seems to be old enough. So let's go. That's the crazy thing. And to come back also to that colonial thing, there's also this crazy image that builds up on the stereotypes that still alive very much to this day. Is that like you were saying, the anyways, black women uh, from that perspective want sex all the time. They're animals. They're thirsty as fuck. They're crazy in bed. All they want is to be fucked, basically. And black men have massive penises, all of them, yes. And the purpose of these penises is to fuck women uh, like crazy. Yeah. And so people have this image that this is all we want. This is what we are there for, which is crazy. And so we'll go in detail into how that, does that translate into our relationship. But days from a while ago, but it's still very much present. Yes, totally. That's so interesting because only um, actually last week I talked to a black woman about how we are having this podcast and how we're going to talk about sex. And she was like, oh my God, totally. I so often have this experience that total strangers all of a sudden posing me super intimate questions or are just super, super freaking personal. So last time she was uh, hanging around at a bar, there was a sweet dude, they were flirting, casual, all sweet. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, but you're into big dicks, aren't you? Oh my God. (laughs) And it was like, what, what, excuse me? Where is that coming from? We were just talking about your mom. (laughs) And that was obviously a super regular thing to do. That was normal, that was cool, that was something that he thought it might be even charming or something. Only the experiences of other women of color made me realize that this is not something that you should just suck up. Pun intended. (laughs) My girl. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not a compliment, because it's not sweet, because it's not with my consent. It's not anywhere that people think about what I want. It's only about objectifying me, about power, but... It took me so long to understand that because people were always belittling it and were like, can't you be glad about all that attention? No, that's not the attention that I want. Let's talk about how smart I am. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, totes. And uh, actually, it took me until I saw that amazing movie, um, Ouvrir la Voix by Amandine Gay, where uh, 24 women of color in France are talking about their experiences in a very racist culture and also about how early they were sexualized even way before they were teens this made me realize that this is a thing i had to see it publicly 
officially mm -hmm. on screen to understand that, no, this is not just my exactly. flawed view on the world, that I'm ungracious or something because I can't, I can't take a compliment. Mm -hmm. It was actually, it's out there. People think that you are a bitch, yeah. that you're a dog. Yeah. yeah, as you're saying, that you want to be fucked all the time, that you are, that you want to go home with a person right away, that you would do super intimate things with total strangers. That happened to me too, that um, <laughs> I was getting to know a dude, not even getting to know him. I just, I barely knew him. And still he asked me to do things that you would do with a person you trust for months. Or a prostitute. Yes, yes, or a sex worker, totally. And white women are being sexualized too, of course. But not to that extent. Not to that extent and not to this humiliating point of being a dog, being a super sexualized dog. And the uh, thing that I wanted to say to, to that dude was, I'm a person. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that this is taken away from you in this whole hypersexualization thing and only when you don't understand all the strings. When you see it in the whole historical context, then it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Then you see that this needs to be erased right away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, okay, everything you just said makes me want to talk about three things. Number one is black women in Cannes. There was an article earlier this year about the Cannes Festival. So there's the advertising one and the film one, yes? That's internationally known and, and really stylish and, and posh kind of festival. There happens to be black women at the festival, yeah? Because we are fucking talented. And for the ones of us who are lucky to make it there, because of course there's a lot of that discrimination around there as well, there was a case where a lot of black women were approached by white men in Cannes being asked how much for the night. What? So they were mistaken for prostitutes. We're talking about really high-end creative directors here film directors ultra talented amazing recognized black women yet the minute they are in this kind of space what we expect for them is to be sex workers how crazy is that shit so that's just such a, a violent kind of encounter that black women have to go through and women of color in general because they're just for some people no way in the world that these people are here at the same level as you are When there is high visibility, that can only be for erotic reasons. Yeah. Only for reasons that connect to your body mm -hmm. and not to your mm -hmm. mind. Yes. Number two is, so it's a very personal experience that I went through. I got to know this lover back when I was in Singapore. Then he moved back to Europe. So did I. We hanging out in the streets of a very cool European cities, which name I won't mention. And it, it happens to be a city where there's not a lot of black people. And so he used to live there for a while and uh, I came to visit just for a few days and we're holding hands, we're just strolling around and we happened to pass by another couple of a white guy with a black woman, mm -mm. which to me is like, okay. And he's like, oh my God, oh my God, okay, hold my hand now because I just really want to make sure that, you know, like we guys who are with black women, we know what's up. So he holds my hand. And I was like, wait a fucking minute. I was so fucking angry, but I'm classy like that, so I don't make sin in public. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I found this so inappropriate, so unbelievably racist. And, and I think that illustrates so, so well what us women of color go through a lot of times when we go out with white men, at least the ones who are not woke at all, is that from one second to another, I know that this guy loved me. He loved me like crazy. Mm -hmm. But from that second, I was not the cool Sarah that I am, who's educated, who's well-traveled, who speaks four languages, who's smart as fuck. I was just a black bitch. Yeah. 
you were the trophy. Exactly. I was just that exotic thing that he could show off about. And I think that actually happened throughout a lot of the times um, with that guy and with other guys, actually. Where, like, you just want to bring me as a fucking exotic handbag. Yeah. I'm an accessory, so you can come at that party where all of your white dudes are in that not exotic country where you live and can be like, yep, I made it. You know what? I brought the black bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is so unbelievably violent and racist. And that's how racism gets into our fucking bed and into our relationship. Because I believe that if you want to date not white people, you should make your fucking research. And maybe that that non-white person that you're going to date is not going to be that woke. And they're going to be okay with certain jokes, with certain things that you do. And that's their problem and that's cool. But it's still your responsibility to make sure you know the res- you do your research. Yes. You know the history of the country that person comes from. Yes. You know the stereotypes that she has to go through yes. all, or he has to go through all the fucking time. Yes. It's extremely important. And it's out there. You are already on the internet, probably. Yes. Just type in woman of color, whatever, Asian descent and hypersexualization. Type in um, Arab women. Stereotypes. Stereotypes. Here we go. Then you know about these stereotypes and it's scientifically proven that once you know about the stereotypes, you can also start to get rid of them. Absolutely. Um, But without knowing, you think this is natural Mm -hmm. when it's not. And also make the research yourself because you don't want to put that emotional burden on that woman of color to teach you and to educate you on all this because that's extremely tiring also. And she has to go through at work. She has to go through when she goes to the doctor. She has to go through when she talks to her therapist. So you don't want to be that extra burden when she gets home at fucking 7 p.m. and be like, hey, so uh, what's up with racism? You don't want to... You do not want to be that person. Yeah. So make your own research. Listen to vocal about it. Thank you very much. And yeah, we're good. Number three that I wanted to mention is these white guys. Actually, it can be other guys, but let's talk about white guys because we love them so much. (laughs) These white guys who only date, have sex or flirt with a certain kind of women. So these are the fetishizer. We, We know them too well. So they will come up to you. So for me as a black woman. And be like, hey, so uh, where are you from? Bitch, you don't know my name. You don't know what's up, but okay. So they only want to talk about where you're from. They want to put you in that box that they prepared very cozily for you. And you're going to say a country. They're going to be like, oh my God, my last girlfriend was from Senegal. And that's when, you know, girls, if you listen to this, cross that fucking cross <laughs> on their faces. Yeah. You don't want to run. That's where it stops. Yeah. Run the fuck out. Yeah. Because these guys projects so 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 many things onto us women of color so for asian women it can be you know certain things for brown women it can be another thing for south american women women it can be another thing but it's all going to be about them thinking that all of us are the same yes. that's number one number two that they can behave the exact same way with all of us because anyway we want the same thing we are the same we come from you know similar backgrounds which is fucking crazy. But there are so many of them out there. Some of them more woke than others, or at least what they want to think of themselves. But it's really, really common. And that's also so ultra fucked up. And that's really the kind of men that I try to keep away. Yes, <laughs> yes. From avoid me. that. Avoid yes. that. I had the very same experience. Uh, actually, the dude that I was talking about earlier. Um, shade. Yeah, <laughs> shade, shade, shade. <laughs> I talked about him with a friend of mine who said... Um, yeah, you know, I actually thought that something was going to happen. He's he's currently going through his ethnical phase. Mm. And I was like, what? Oh what the what? You uh, didn't just say that. Seriously, Holy kill me shit. now. I mean, 
first of all, tell me that beforehand, this is a major red flag for me. I wouldn't have done any, anything because um, then you know that this person is collecting trophies. Mm -hmm. And um, second of all, we are not all the same. You can't just say, oh, ethnical face as opposed to white women. What is that supposed to mean? I mean, yeah, so this really is a huge, huge red flag because those guys are not trying to educate themselves about anything. It all comes down to this huge exoticizing fetish. And uh, yeah, hands off, I'd say. Yeah. So the other thing that I would like to talk about is the very beginning of my sex life. I had sex for the first time when I was 15 and then I stayed with that boyfriend for eight years. And he's still a very, very close friend. Uh, he knows my family very much. He has two kids now. And yeah, it's all love. But how it happened is that my mom actually was not super, you know, open about, you know, sitting me down and telling me, so penis and vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so what she did is that I told her that I was seeing someone and she called me the next day. I was at school. She was like, uh, yo, I got you an appointment at the gynae. You're going on Saturday at 10 a.m. Just ask all of the questions and get on the pill. Thank you very much. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened. And then uh, it took me a while, actually, during my sex life to become so positive about it, so chill about it, and so, I guess, confident about my body and everything. I think that really takes a while. But I know for a fact that I'm one of the only person I know who's so chill about talking about sex openly. So if you ask any of my... <laughs> girlfriends and definitely a lot of guy friends as well the minute i'm close to you and we feel comfortable we've been knowing each other for a while you are going to know <laughs> everything that happens in my bed or in other people's bed for that matter and yes i'd only do it in bed <laughs> lies <Rude>. and <laughs> okay we gotta cut this yes but um and i, I mean I, I was lucky to have really great experiences sex-wise so i really i mean from i never had a one night stand though ah uh, really I cannot yeah mm -hmm. i i guess it's a bit of the cliche of the woman that needs some emotional connection but i just i need to know you do you respect me yeah. where are you from who's your mom you know i just need this basis and then we're good but it takes a while then so one night stand i just never had yeah but I, I tried open relationship, which was a whole mess. But I do believe in it. I think it can work. But yeah, you just need to have clear boundaries and to be at the same level of self-confidence, of definition of what's open and not. So that's a whole other thing. I also tried monogamous um, relationship, which was interesting. And yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So yeah, but I'm just in peace with the whole thing. But my point is that as a black woman talking so openly about sex and being so, you know, sex positive and encouraging people to talk about it as well, it's very tricky for me because people expect of me that I'm crazy sexual, mm -hmm. that I spend my whole life looking for dicks and that I'm just obviously ready for any kind of thing. And I love sex. I think sex is great. And when you're lucky to have it with someone you love or someone you're interested in, that, that you just, you know, there's consent, there's like good vibes, it's great. But when I say I love sex, I don't mean anybody can have sex with me at any time and I'm down for anything that's absolutely not what it yeah. means it's just the stereotypes then that when I say this comes around um, seeing me as being crazy sexualized and such but it's just being sex positive is very different but as a black woman it's a bit tricky because all of the you know different shizzle that comes with it yeah you never really know how to position yourself so you can't just be open like that to a lot of people at the end of the day I think it's a lot about um, self-definition mm -hmm. when you are defining your sexual boundaries there is no problem at all only when it crashes with stereotypes that other people have about you then it's like mm, so it's all true what we heard about black women isn't it and no of course it's not because it's a super personal thing that you develop within your your experience and how your sex life where it goes 
And uh, I think that very often public discourse and men in general don't really consider the desire of women what they want because also i mean in cinema all you see is always just a male gaze yeah men looking at women yes yes totally they are objects they are passive they should get desire by being looked at but not at looking at at somebody at actively defining hey i find this attractive i find this good i find this pleasurable Mm -hmm. and only when you are able to turn this around and have um, a level where you can talk with your partner about this is what i want and this is a very individual thing and i have my own gaze it's not just about being looked at this doesn't satisfy me because i'm more than this freaking stereotype you see in porn and the movies and everywhere i think once you would get at this point you could overcome all those stereotypical bullshit and then it wouldn't sound so paradoxical at all anymore. Another thing I wanted to talk about is relationships. Relationships that are very heteronormative. Because I've been with... with two white men, two Austrians. And um, I found it very interesting how um, this gave me a weird sense of confirmation. I couldn't really pin it down for a very long time, but it felt like I could pass in society by being together with a a white man. Because um, obviously there is a huge deal of privileges when you're on the street with a white man. Nobody harasses you because you are obviously somebody has already tapped that. That's so real. So you're, you're in the possession of somebody, so they will leave you alone. Yeah. You can get a certain kind of invisibility because you're not just the woman of color sticking out, but you are with somebody who is accepted in society, mm-hmm. which kind of makes you being kind of kind of accepted too, which makes you passing. And I think the pleasure or satisfaction that you get from um, this being with a white man means in reality on a more broader, maybe symbolical level, something like a confirmation by society as such that you are accepted because a white man recognizes you as something uh, desirable. Mm -hmm. And I find this so fucked up on so many levels because then you are only in relation to a white man, something that is precious. And without it, what are you? Yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah, when I realized that this made me think about this confirmation and how society gives you uh, gratification for those kinds of relationships or for successes that help restore the order in society Mm -hmm. because heteronormative relationships obviously to the societal order that is at place right now is helping a great deal and if you neglect that then you're an outcast yeah so if you're turning your back on that if you decide to be by yourself self-sufficient and enjoy that very much then you're the savage one-eyed standy yeah hypersexual woman of color when you are with women completely different discussion because I think this throws over the whole order of society because whoa, whoa, what now? <laughs> what now? <laughs> when women of color are together, this just explodes because where yeah, you never see that anyway. So is that even possible? And exactly. when nobody watches, is it even happening? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this made me think about how how you get also gratification within mm-hmm. your relationships mm-hmm. and which are not seen as something that is valuable or usable 
for society. And when it's not, then it's been frowned upon. Shade, shade, shade. And yeah, this is bullshit. It's such fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. But I think it's also why it's important to have different experiences, even with men or women of color as well, to just see how the dynamic fucking changes because it's crazy. Because mm -hmm. it's funny, actually, because it reminds me of a, a conversation that I had with a brother of mine. The thing is that, so he's, he's a man of color and we were having the discussion about dating and relationship and stuff and he's been through many different phases. He used to be super open, dating anyone, whatever. And within the few years, he was like, yo, I cannot date white women anymore. It's not happening. You know why? Because I don't want to have to deal with the fucking racist family. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. You know, and we don't think about these things, but he's like, yo, I'm at the, this stage of my life where I want to build something real. And I'm thinking kids, I'm thinking weddings, I'm thinking that, that kind of life. I cannot spend my oxygen going on a Sunday dinner. I know that you woke, you're my wife and, and stuff. You're white, but you woke and stuff, it's cool. But you fucking uncle, that fucking nephew that's only four years old is going to insult me? Mm. That mm. uncle is going to like, you know, put my legitimacy back onto uh, the game or whatever? Just question. I cannot. And I'm like, you know, I feel you. <sighs> I can understand that. So it's just, yeah, it's just one other perspective that I found was interesting. Super but interesting. But that's how far, you know, racism sometimes push people to because they're just like, fuck, I don't want to have to deal with so many of these things. <laughs> Lovers, I also wanted to bring something up. December 1st was International AIDS Day. So I want to send a lot of strength and love to our brothers and sisters who are HIV positive. I really want to fight against the stigma of people who have AIDS and make sure that they're considered uh, righteously in society because they're not fucking animals. They're not fucking weirdos. It can happen to any of us. And I just want to stress the point that it's extremely important for y'all to protect yourself. Mm. Sex is great, but you know what? Make sure that you have that conversation when you are going to get into a relationship or when you have sex with someone about their sexual history and just always make sure to protect yourself and until you're sure of that sexual history that's number one and number two for all the sisters out there who are going through difficult times um, if you need to get an abortion if you need to see a gynae if you need to see a psychologist please know that there are some really specific structure in in france they're called planning familial they exist in, in brussels as well and in, in many different european countries it's basically safe spaces where you can go even alone if unfortunately you don't have a lot of support from your family and friends and talk to someone who's a specialist talk to doctors get yourself checked and uh, and much more if you need so please always consider that or if you know any other sister who's going through that at least make your research and make sure that you can be of help for that sister So now we would like to celebrate women of color that inspire us and that we find great. So first of all, I would like to direct your attention to a very cool short documentary about Black Lives Matter in Germany. That was so interesting because for once, um, so it's the it's basically the branch of Black Lives Matter in the US. And even though the history of Germany and the US clearly are very different, still the emancipation motivations are very similar. And also, I found it so interesting how they explained that there has not been any historical debate whatsoever in Germany mm -hmm. about the colonial history. And this is also one of the reasons why it's so hard to pinpoint racism and have an open discussion about it. Because everybody is like, where is it? Racism mm -hmm. isn't there anyways. 
So what what are we talking about? We here? don't even have a lot of black people anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah all that totally. shit. Totally. So that was super interesting and made by two great women of color who are named Elif Kütük and Poliana Baumgarten. So I found it just so inspiring and great. It sounds even ridiculous, but there's always such a relief within me when I hear people officially declaring racism as it is. Yes. Things that I have always going on in my mind that then somebody says it as it is and you're like... Yes, I'm not making this up. This is actually real. This is out there. And this documentary was just great. Give it a go. Ultra cool. Yes. So the second thing is a French-Cuban electronic soul duo called Iberi, which means twins in Yoruba. They are actually twins. And their names are Naomi and Lisa Kainde Diaz. They are super cool. They make great music. Yoruba is actually one of the three languages in which they sing, besides English and French. And uh, it's just super cool. So many Cuban and uh, Afro elements. And it's awesome. Yes, they're ultra awesome. They also speak Spanish and they were actually featured in the fabulous was it lemonade i'm not sure but the start of the lemonade project by beyonce i had this gorgeous video clip with a lot of ultra cool black women and women of color in the musical space and they were in that in that music video nice that's how cool they are awesome (laughs) yes listen to them yes ultra cool um the woman of color i would like to celebrate today is named nikita dawan she absolutely amazed me during the Tashwi Festival, which was here in Brussels at the Burskarburg. I never know how to pronounce this. Please don't. Burskarburg? Burskarburg? I just never knows. know. And all of my Flemish friends are like, oh yeah, Burskarburg. And I'm like, yeah, that. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. that. Said, yeah. Anyways, it's a fabulous place, which I cherish very much. They hold the coolest festivals, parties, conferences. So it's ultra cool. And this festival was specifically putting uh, a light on women and feminists from Africa, the Middle East and Europe. Uh, Nikita Dewan came in and she actually opened the festival to give a lecture and she presented herself as a decolonial queer feminist of color. And that's when she stole my heart. <laughs> She's actually a professor of political science at Leopold Franzen University in Austria and the director of the Frankfurt Research Center for Postcolonial Studies and also the cluster of excellence uh, the formation of normative orders in, at the Goethe University in Frankfurt. She is so eloquent, extremely smart, ultra, ultra cool. And she talks very provocatively about anything that has to do with decolonizing your mind. She talks about capitalism and how it's linked to racism and how protest is a whole bullshit from her point of view because it's very bourgeois anyways. And like, just so ultra cool. So I really, really encourage you to listen. There's tons of video of her in English out there uh, on the internet. Uh, So do check her out. Yeah, she's super. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Vocal About It. If you enjoy our real talk, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, share us on your platforms, and make sure to follow us for updates on Twitter under the handle at vocalabout underscore it. If you have any questions, no cool women of color we should celebrate or host, drop us a mail at vocalaboutit at gmail.com. See you next week. <laughs>